Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Amen. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, my wife and I, our family, uh, we're on two-week vacation. Uh, we've been doing it for 27 years uh, to the Outer Banks, uh, something April's family started doing. She was about 14 years old, and then we kind of picked it up. And uh, so uh, it was great because we, uh, April had not seen her mom in two and a half years because of COVID and all that. And I had not seen my dad and my stepmom for about the same amount of time, about two and a half years. And so they were able to come down and uh, it was a great time. And I got to tune into the services and Pastor Roddy did a great job uh, a couple weeks ago, as well as Pastor Donnie last week uh, did an excellent job as we're in this series on the spirit-led life because we've been saying that the Holy Spirit is not some obscure reference in the Bible or some obscure person in the Bible. We actually see the Holy Spirit who is the third part of the Trinity, who is God, actively involved from Genesis to Revelation. We see him as a prominent person in the activity of God and the activity of redemption in the world. And uh, so it's been a really good series. And as Pastor Roddy said a couple weeks ago, what, what we were really looking to do the first uh, three weeks of the series is to say, hey, who, who is the Holy Spirit? What's his role and function, right? What does the Bible have to say about that? And then who's the Holy Spirit in us, right? Like what does he do in us? Um, and then last, what does he do through us to the world? Because part of his main mission is to make Jesus known to the world, to make him known to those around us. It was 1990 for me, uh, May of 1990, I was in my fifth year of college at Ohio University. I had uh, redshirted a year with a knee injury. And um, that particular year, I had a roommate who had transferred from St. Bonaventure University to Ohio University. And uh, we ended up becoming really good friends. Uh, he was an excellent player. And uh, we roomed together that year off campus in an apartment. And uh, Dan was uh, an incredible guy. He was a four-point student in high school, uh, again, be, was a, you know, incredible basketball player. His dad was the principal of the high school that he was at in uh, Elwood, P Pennsylvania. And Dan had gone to St. Bonaventure and then transferred to Ohio University. He was an engineering major. He's actually has like three or four patents out there now, uh, working with Ford in different places. He's been highly successful. And so we were friends that entire year, and Dan was incredibly orderly, kept our apartment incredibly, <laughs> I was not at that time, <laughs> and so I really appreciated that. And uh, it was about three weeks to go in the year, and uh, we were over at another friend's house uh, doing laundry, 
And I said to Dan, I said, Dan, how are you doing? And he started crying. And I wasn't, I didn't know what to do with the emotion. It was unexpected. Uh, There wasn't a loaded question that I gave to him. He just started, started weeping. And he started telling me about how much pressure he had grown up under with his dad as the principal of the school and how much academic pressure he had and how much pressure as an athlete he felt to perform. And then he had gone to St. Bonaventure and he had gotten into with the wrong group of guys on the basketball team. And when the winter break had happened, they had broken into a dorm and had stolen some things and it became a big national scandal. And he had embarrassed his family and, and uh, got kicked off the team and all, all this stuff and he's he's there and he he he's he's crying and I didn't know what to do with it I literally had nothing to say I had nothing to give to him it was awkward at that time in my life I, I didn't know what do I do with this emotion And I just sat there for probably two or three minutes. And then I just said, hey, man, do you want to go get something to eat? And he was like, yeah. And and I'll never forget that moment because I was like, what do you do with the pain of the people and the world around you? There are people all around us who are going through things that we don't understand. And, 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 and my big idea, I want this to be inspirational this morning because I want to inspire you. I just have two, two big points today. This is it. Two big points. It's that this, number one, is that God himself had a mission through Jesus Christ and therefore so do we. Every single one of us are called, when we are a follower of Jesus, we are called to be on mission. We're called to live our lives missionally in the world. Whether you're at a university, whether you're at Cedar Park High School, whether you're at a job, whether you're in your apartment complex, no matter where you are, God wants to use you to make, so God had a mission through Jesus, and we're going to look at that, what that mission was, but then second is, I don't want you, any of us, to ever underestimate the power that your life can have when the Holy Spirit, when you're yielded to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is working through you to reveal Jesus to those around you. I don't, that's, that's, that's the truth. I want you to be inspired today and we're gonna look and what I did this week as after I listened to Pastor Donnie's message last week and I was thinking about the message this week And I started thinking, um, man, like, 
Two days after I gave my life to Christ in Houston in 1991, my brother was living with me and I shared Christ with my brother. And shortly after that, my brother gave his life to Jesus. My stepbrother, I went home to Ohio and my stepbrother had just gotten a DUI and was put in prison and had an alcohol. And I shared with him in the living room of my parents' house and I said, Scott, there is a, a God who loves you and has a plan and a purpose for your life and he wants you to know him and he wants to work redemptively in your life and he wants to heal you and strengthen you, right? And empower you. And a year later, my stepbrother Scott gave his life to Christ. His wife now, Sarah, is a believer. His three kids are believers, my stepbrother Mike, who was an atheist, came up to see me play in Detroit against the Pistons. And my dad and my mom and my stepbrother went out to dinner that night in Detroit, the night before the game. And I shared across the table about what Christ had done in my life to my stepbrother Mike. And he said, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, please stop. <laughs> I just want to enjoy my, you know, lobster tail. <laughs> And three years later, I'm in my backyard, and Willie was actually there that day. We were playing pickup basketball in a house we used to live over by the Barnwells, over there by Schofield. And April comes out, and she says, uh, Dave, Mike's on the phone for you. Mike? Mike Davis? He's never called me. I went in and I said, hey, is everything okay? He said, yeah, I just want to let you know that I went to a men's retreat this weekend and everything you said to me back in Detroit that day were seeds planted. I gave my life to Christ this weekend. His wife, Julie, is a follower of Christ. His children are followers of Christ. Never underestimate. Because here's the thing is that scripture tells us, Jesus said in Acts chapter one, right? He had been crucified and he had been resurrected and he was appearing and he's there with the disciples and he's telling them to wait in the upper room for this power of the Holy Spirit that's gonna come on them. And he says to them, hey, they said, hey, is it this time are you gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, is this gonna kind of be the end time? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father's put in his own authority, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witness. And here's the thing I want you, guys, I want you to be inspired today. And we're going to look at these testimonies here in a minute. I want you to be inspired today because Jerusalem is those people right around you. I've had the privilege of baptizing all four of my children. Jerusalem, those right around you. Judea, those near at your school. Samaria, the places that you don't want to go. Sierra Leone, Laos, Thailand, <laughs> the inner city, east side. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Guys, do not ever underestimate the difference 
that you and the Holy Spirit, when you're yielded to the Holy Spirit, can make in someone's life. Now let's look at this mission that Jesus was called to. Let me just say this. A couple years ago, I was reading a book called Shaped by God's Heart by Milford Minnetria. He was talking about churches that were thriving and growing and living lives of impact. And he said there's nine missional practices that these churches have. But he opened the book with a quote by Antoine de Saint-Exubery, the author of The Little Prince. It's a famous quote. He said, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men and women to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach each of them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. Yes, God in his word says, he gives us this commission. Hey, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? Be on mission, right? Yes, there's a command. But guys, it's much more an invitation. It's an invitation to come and live on mission with me. And together, we'll change the world. It's an invitation. That's what he's saying there. Many times we think, oh, here's all the things I have to do, right? Oh, if I'm going to make a ship, I got to go get wood. I got to go, da, da. no, no, no. He says, don't start there with people. Start with, give them a vision and a passion for sailing. A passion for God using you to reach another person. I'm going to show you here in a minute. Years ago when I was living here, I went to play pickup basketball in Enfield Park downtown. And I'm there playing against an African-American young man. And the Holy Spirit says, go minister to this young man. And I start a conversation with him. He'll tell you in the testimony. He was at that time thinking about ending his life. He was in deep depression. He was doubting that God loved him or had a plan for his life. And I struck up the Holy Spirit, stirred something in me. It moved me to go talk to this individual. And I got to share with him. And I got to meet with him repeatedly over a year or so. He invited me to go down and speak at a Christian gathering at St. Edward's where Aaron... Mackie gave her life to Christ, who's now married to Al Coleman, who uh, have an incredible, and Greg now, you'll see it on the, the testimony, Greg, literally his writings, he's a pastor in South Korea now, his writings have reached millions of people. Go to Bible.com, he's got book after book, he ended up giving his life to Christ, going to seminary, and now he's literally changing the world. And it was a pickup basketball game at Enfield Park where the Holy Spirit said, engage with this person. <laughs> Just take the step. Guys, the Holy Spirit wants to work through us to reveal Jesus to others. Look at what John 15 26 and 27 says, when the advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit, capital S, of truth, who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Guys, 99% of people who come to Christ do so through a relationship. Through somebody, I came to Christ because a teammate of mine shared Christ with me. That's what changed my life. Look at what John 16, 13, and 14 says. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will what? Glorify me. For he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to others. In and through us. The hope of the world. The hope for anxiety. The hope for depression. The hope for hopelessness. So we have to understand that God had a mission in the world. Listen, in a great book, David Bosch, who wrote Transforming Mission, said this. There's not, a there's not a mission because there is a church. There is a church because there was a mission. God didn't just create the church so that we could just all backslap each other and butt slap each other and come in here and feel good about ourselves. That's not why he created the church. He created the church as plan A for the redemption of individuals, families, communities, and nations. There is a church because there already was a mission. How do I redeem the world? And if you aren't living on mission, wake up and get with it. There are people all around you who need somebody to step into that space and share the good news of the gospel. So let's look at it. What was Jesus' mission? Number one, to make God known, to make himself known. Look at what, why? Because people don't know him. People are confused. People are more confused today than I've, I think they've almost ever been. Look at what it says, John 1.18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Has made him known. What, what, what was part of the reason Jesus came? To clear up who God was. Who is he? What's he like? Because people have all kinds of wacky conceptions of what, who God is and what he's like. Jesus came to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Here's what God is like with the woman caught in adultery. Here's what God is like. He's gracious and kind and merciful and compassionate and long-suffering. Here's what he's like. And guess what? Jesus came to reveal it, but now who does he want to use to reveal himself to the world? You and I. You might be the only Jesus that any, somebody ever sees. Number two, he 
part of his mission was to bring light into a dark world. I have come into the world as light, John 12, 46 says, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So Jesus came to make God known. Jesus came to bring light into a dark world. Come on, is it dark today? <laughs> yes, he wants to bring light and hope into those situations. He came to bear witness to the truth. John 18, 37, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Guys, every single thing Jesus was called to do and be on mission, he then turns around to us and says, now you go do the same. You go make God know. You go be a light in the world. You go bear witness to the truth. To preach and communicate the good news of the kingdom of God. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said... I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also because that is why I was sent. He lived his life with a sense of sending and purpose. No matter where he found himself, if he found himself as a realtor in the real estate market, he went as a sent one. If he found himself at a school as a teacher, he went as a sent one. I know that I am being sent. What? To represent God, to reveal himself, to reveal his purpose in nature. Guess what? Every single one of us are sent ones. To your families, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, we're sent ones. To lay his life down so that others might live. Titus 2, 13 and 14, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus laid his life down so that others might experience life. You and I have experienced life because he laid his life down. Are you willing to lay your life down and be a little bit uncomfortable to step across the threshold to engage somebody with the gospel, not knowing what God might do through that? He came to destroy the devil and his works. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, 1 John 3, 8 says. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Guys, when I see the enemy beating somebody up with shame, beating them up with hopelessness, beating them up with condemnation, beating them up with a wrong thing of, of, of race, Guess what? Something rises, the Holy Spirit rises up in you and says, okay, let's tear that down. Uh-uh, I don't want to see that person 
bound anymore in this condemnation and shame that's robbing them or this fear that's paralyzing them. Wherever Jesus went, where he saw the enemy working, guys, great, now I know my mission field. Let's, let, that's what he came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said to him in John 19, 9 and 10 to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. If you're not living with a reality that there are lost people around you and in the world, you're not in the game. <laughs> They're all around us. Jesus lived on mission and on purpose. That's what it says here. He came to seek and to save the lost. And then 1 Timothy 1.15. This, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into, into the world to save sinners, Paul writing to Timothy, of whom I am the foremost. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So Jesus' mission to make God known, to bring light into a dark world, to bear witness to the truth, to preach and communicate the good news of the kingdom, to lay his life down so that others might live, to destroy the devil and his works, to seek and to save the lost. That was his, that was, guys, remember what I said. Yes, it's a command. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all. It's a command, but it's an invitation. Who can, can I use Dave Bennell as he yields, as he yields to the Holy Spirit to do something in somebody in his path? Can I use Brock? Can I use Chad? Can I use Donnie down at UT? Can I use Dwayne? Can I use Tony? Come on. Let's take a look at these testimonies. It's a little bit long and then we'll end. Guys, I want you to be inspired. Every single one of these people, the Holy Spirit gave me an unction to go and to speak something to them. And in doing so, their lives were changed and the world was changed. Hi everybody, my name is Alex Compton. I am here to tell you a little story about how a little trip to Manila in 1999 changed my life radically. Uh, I, I played pro basketball in the Philippines from 1998 uh, for about 10 years and then coached there for 12. But in 1999, a group of men came out to serve people they'd never met and didn't know personally. And they came and, and spoke into my life. And one of those guys uh, is a guy that you all know probably pretty well, uh, Mr. Dave Jamerson. Um, he was a guy that had come over. And when I saw him right away, I, I just knew a guy that's better at my own profession than I am, who's come all this way to serve me. He was trying to use his profession to help us get better, but really to help impact our lives and give what he had in his heart. And there was just life all over Dave. There was joy all over Dave. And there was, these were things that I longed for. I was somewhere in process. I had heard of the Lord. I was 
starting to go to church, just kind of check him out, back out, check him out, back out, but not moving in any real commitment or conviction. And when I saw the way that, that Dave lived and the life that was all over him, uh, it changed my life forever. It wasn't a nudge in the right direction. It was a huge challenge and motivation to get up and to stop messing around. And, and it's challenged me. I mean, my, my life really changed from, well, I won't go into everything, but probably partying too much and doing a bunch of things I shouldn't have done to living with peace and joy and trying to go tell other people the good news that, no, you're not condemned. Jesus actually loves you. It's real. He's good. He is good, and he loves you. Now, my, my encouragement to you all is you don't have to travel to Asia, to a foreign country, to find people like me. We live all around you. And when I was, where I was at in my life, when, when Dave or DJ, as we call him, DJ came out, was I, I, I probably tried to put it out there that I knew what was going on uh, and that I had it together, but I didn't. And I knew right away when I saw him and I listened to him that what he had, I wanted and that I needed to change. And so there's a lot of young me's around you. Uh, there's a lot of people that, that just need to need to have what you have in your hearts. But seriously, you got the greatest gift of all living inside of you. And as one of my pastor friends said, man, you got the greatest thing in the world living inside of you. Jesus is dying to get out. So let people know, let them, let them know. And uh, yeah, you'll, you'll find the greatest joy in your life doing that. So love you guys. Bless you guys. DJ, love you, man. Thanks for changing my life. Hello, my name is Tom Jamerson, younger brother of Dave, and uh, just want to share my testimony and how I came to Christ, and it was very interesting. Uh, this happened in August of 1991, um, but before that, in, in March of 1991, I actually came down to stay with Dave in Houston, and he had just become a Christian and was uh, sharing kind of what had gone on in his life, and so it challenged me to ask him questions about, you know, why I thought you were a Christian before, um, and essentially... Uh, it was a great just review of fundamentals. Again, what does it mean uh, to become a Christian, to surrender your life, to receive forgiveness of your sins? And so uh, it was super exciting for me. I'm a toe toucher though, so I spent a little time just reading things uh, to really make sure this is what I wanted to do. And uh, I went back to Ohio U and had an opportunity just to kind of examine my life. And one of the big challenges I look at was I thought I had everything I wanted in life. Um, you know, money, basketball, grades, right, girlfriend, and uh, I just had something always missing, and uh, I find out later that really it was the relationship with Christ that I had, and so became a Christian August of 1991 in Austin, got baptized there, uh, I remember it was like it was yesterday, and then um, literally two weeks later moved back to Ohio University, uh, a changed person dealing with some of the same issues and challenges uh, that a college campus can bring. And so the interesting part of having uh, the relationship with Dave where it sparked the interest in me to understand what I believed and why and all those things was now that when I went back to campus, uh, I was sharing it in the same way uh, to just, you know, excited about what has happened. Uh, you know, in, in a, my college roommate, uh, some of my close friends with actually um, a sports reporter, um, became Christians later because of it. And it was, uh, it wasn't intentionally on my part that I was witnessing to them. It was more just you're sharing your life and you had a relationship with them and they were excited to see what happened and wanted to know more about it. And so uh, it's been great. And, and I always look at my life as, um, 
you know, relationships, um, you know, trump everything. And so, uh, you know, the, the rest of my life, you know, the things I still continue to do are through relationships and sports mainly, um, where you can really go deep with people and share your life and work through issues and challenges. And so, um, I, you know, always look back to, um, the spark that started in March of 91, uh, and led to getting you know, baptized and becoming a Christian in August 91. God used Dave Jamerson and his story to make a massive difference in my life. As an 18-year-old kid with a lukewarm, safe, knee-deep relationship with Jesus, I was challenged and inspired by Dave's story about how God reached in, saved him, and changed his life forever. Uh, it, it was just refreshing for me to see somebody so passionate about God, about the work that God um, had called him to do, and, and the power at which God was operating in his life. Um, but moreover, for me, I got to see Dave up close and personal. He invited me into his life. I got to travel, spend time with him, and see and watch uh, him live out uh, the call of God on his life. I got to see him um, show me uh, in, in close, up close and person what it looked like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And that changed my life in a dramatic way. Um, I began to look inward and take inventory and fully devoted myself to Jesus. I went all in. And when I did that, everything changed. My relationship with God went to a new level. My relationship with my family and my friends went to a new level, all for the positive, of course. Um, and my heart changed forever. And so I am grateful that I got to not just hear Dave's story, but see him live it out on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, Dave, I'm grateful for you and grateful that God brought you and your story into my life. Good morning, everybody. My name is Greg Brown. I'm currently a chaplain and professor at Handong Global University in Pohong, Korea, and the lead pastor at Handong International Congregation. I'm originally from Austin, Texas, I met Pastor Dave, or, or DJ, uh, the summer of 1997 while playing pickup basketball. I was a player at St. Edward's University and was really going through uh, a difficult time in my life. I sensed God had a call on my life, and I was struggling with that call and many temptations that are common to college students, which would have kept me away from that call. Because of my struggles and questions, I really was desperate for someone further along in the faith to take time to meet with me, answer my questions, invest in me, and tell me God had good plans. Because of my struggles, I, I struggled with doubting that, believing that God cared for me, believing that God was going to use the bad in my life for the good. Uh, Dave might not be fully aware of this, but God really used Dave during that season of my life when I was struggling. He met with me, spoke hope into my life. When I was struggling with depression, encouraged me when I fell down, and just shared life with me. Through our relationship, I started to bring many of my friends to a campus ministry David was involved in uh, at UT. Eventually, God even opened the door for Dave to come speak at our Fellowship of Christian Athletes on campus at St. Edwards and help get many of my peers on fire, which obviously helped me with my walk as well. My college years were very formative for my Christian life. And because of people like Dave, who took time to invest in me, helped me during that season. That is one of my primary passions in life now. I've been pastoring for the last, pastoring for the last 17 years, both in the Chicago area and now for 10 years in Korea. My primary ministry has been college-age people. 
I'm doing exactly what David did with me over 20 years ago by investing in me, um, investing in the younger generation. One of my greatest joys is seeing those who I've met with, worried about, prayed up, stayed up late at night thinking about, um, picked up, taught the scriptures to, and now they're faithfully walking with the Lord, using their gifts. Many of them are parents now, raising kids and investing in others. One of my favorite verses is what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. He said this, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. There are four generations of Christians in this passage, Paul, Timothy, reliable people, and others. We're always just one generation away from losing the gospel and the truths of the scriptures. Uh, each one of us has a part in the unbroken relay of those who have passed the truths of the scriptures since the apostles. I just want to encourage you to keep passing the baton on so others will hear and receive the truths that God has blessed us with. We all have an important role in this race, especially as our world gets darker, the truths of scripture are attacked, and unfortunately the love of many are growing cold. I'm glad to be part of this unbroken chain with you. May God richly bless your race and use you to raise up the next generation of runners. Thank you so much for your time. I didn't want that to be about me, but just as an example, Aaron Page, who works here in Austin, Aaron went to McNeil High School. His dad was the first African-American women's coach at the University of Texas, Rodney Page. I was sitting in my kitchen reading the Austin American Statesman and I opened up the sports section and it had the Central Texas All-Star team. And Aaron's picture was there and the Holy Spirit said, you're going to minister to him. I don't know Aaron Page. Two days later, I get a call from Rodney Page. He says, hey man, I heard you're an ex-NBA player. I'm doing a camp down at downtown, uh, a shooting camp. Would you come and do a uh, one-hour demonstration for the campers. Absolutely. I walked in. Aaron was there, his son. And I began to minister to him, and his um, God just was uh, doing something in his life at that point. I said, hey, man, do you want to go grab lunch at Super Salad's? in the Arboretum sometime this week. He said, yeah, I'd love to. And I got to share Christ with him. I said, hey man, have you ever really received the Lord? He said, no, I never have. I said, would you like to? He said, I would. And we prayed with him, me and Brad Butts, we prayed with him right there in the Arboretum, super salad. He received Christ and we baptized him two days later. And he's, He's changing the world. Greg Brown is changing the world. Guys, there's people all, I want this message to be inspirational. There are people all around you that need to hear the hope of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit, one of his primary jobs is to make Jesus known. We don't know what we're supposed to say. Most of the time, I didn't know what. We let the fear of the unknown keep us from stepping into it. And when we step across that threshold, God meets us and he gives us everything we need. I'm not talking about being obnoxious, Christian. I'm just talking about being a spirit-led believer.
And that my hope today was simply just to inspire you that a fresh vision and a fresh passion for those around you. Guys, I'm not talking about just going out and going crazy and, you know, oh, I'm just going to go crazy on everybody. I'm just talking about being open to when the Holy Spirit says this one. Go share. Step into that. Watch what I'll do. It's part of what the Holy Spirit does. Let me pray. God, thank you so much that you invite us into this incredible journey with you and your redemptive work in the world. And you let us play a part in it. You let us, God, co-labor with you. God, thank you for that invitation. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for how you changed our lives and how you gave us hope and a future. And God, how you want to do that. Give us, God, just let us be more aware and more open to where you're working and how you're working. In the name of Jesus. We are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.